take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blue. That's a um, black nerd. And each week I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout, all for our own personal and collective empowerment. Y'all, I can't think of a better person to have here on the show to help bring in the holiday season because we need a little cheer, y'all. It's our friend, fellow Max Fun podcast host. It's Renee Culver of Can I Pet Your Dog? It's a Max Fun crossover holiday special. What is this? Can I Pet Your Corner? Well, okay, maybe, all right, maybe it's a different show. Anyways, she is such a bright ray of sunshine who brightens up my life and is going to brighten up yours too. Both Renee and I have finally checked out a few episodes of the new Stay by the Bell reboot. Melissa McCarthy makes a costume mistake but shows how to come correct with an apology. And on the heels of Kristen Stewart and Viggo Mortensen's recent comment, is it a slippery slope in not allowing straight actors to play queer characters? Does this pigeonholed queer actors and only getting to play queer roles. Hmm. And in the main corners, I walk us through the atrocious history and centuries-long practice of Indian boarding schools that happened here on U.S. soil. And then... On a lighter note, Renee gives us the inspiration we need in celebrating the legacy and continued awesomeness that is Debbie Allen. Let's go. It is an action-packed holiday special Maximum Fun crossover. Let's get into it. Let's learn, laugh, and play right here on Minority Corner. Let's go. like my soul sister my soul friend like i think that like you're like i am the gale to your oprah and vice versa like the highest <laughs> honor the best compliment i've ever received yes that's all i want i just want to be the gale to your oprah oh man <laughs> this is great like i think we're both we're each other's gales um yes. i'm so glad that you're here on minority corner this is so fantastic to have you here i am so honored to be here truly like I, I mean, listen, I know you're like, I didn't bring you on here to say nice things about me, but you're, gonna, you're just going to have to endure it for like just a second. For like Sorry, just listeners, one you'll have to listen uh, to this. It comes up on every podcast we're on together. You just, you have those people in your life that you meet and you're like, you from across the room. Like, I just, I love you. I think you're so great. I think you're so smart, so talented, so funny. And I think being friends with you could sort of, you know, help my morale. Oh, same thing. My life always just brightens up when you are around. <laughs> I come into contact with you. Like, I'm just going to burst into, like, must be emotional tears right now. I don't know if it's the pandemic or the holidays or both and, both. and you. But yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just, just a lot for five minutes. Just to, to catch the listeners. <laughs> just to catch the listeners up. Our love affair began almost, uh, how many years ago? It was... 2000s when did we go to the max fun con together does 17 sound right to you that does sound right okay. yeah because i went to right. i think i went to barcelona shortly Ooh, after i had, had met you and i just like uh, i you like uh, jesse thorne had introduced me to you and i was just i was almost I was intimidated <laughs> at first Same. just Same. because you were renee from can i pet your dog and i've heard your you know your your ad when we like put the ads on our different you know my uh you know max fun podcast sure. or whatnot and i was like oh my god and your first guest 
I was what's his face? I'm ever looking at his know, name. Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> you know that guy. <laughs> he was he was having a slow day. We're like get in here and talk about dogs, you. And he was on your ad. I just was like, oh my gosh! And like you know, I'm now I'm meeting like the in-house podcast studio <laughs> people, and you know, you're from LA, and it's just like I was so starstruck, and then. Well, right back at you, same, I knew how great you were, and then to, like, watch what you preach be put into practical application. So it's this thing for listeners who are like, what, what is the max fun? What is this? So it's basically Doesn't happen like a, anymore. a week. Right, exactly. <laughs> Back in like the a, day. Like a like Comic-Con, but for podcasts for one yes. specific network. Yes. A little, it like, it like summer campy because we're up in the Poconos. Right. And so we're just like away from like just in our own sort of like, bubble it felt like it was like a weekend of summer camp yeah and super fun but everybody coming doesn't know each other like the only thing you have in common is that you like podcasts so Mm. that first night is a little like a squeaky wheel that we need to apply some james fun to because there was a dance party and like (laughs) we had been choreographing it for months you systematically got everybody on the outside of the circle into the circle within one song it was (laughs) It still blows my mind when I think about it. It was and it was the, so and, great. And there was definitely a conga line or two. Sure. I, you and I owned that dance floor. Yeah. I just remember being dripping of sweat. So wet. Oh, like, just oh, soaked to the Oh, God. Yeah. At the end of, and this is, it was, it was, I feel like it wasn't cold outside because I just remember going outside. My body was like steaming. <laughs> I took my shirt off and just drenched, like, you know, rang it out. And it yep. just was like sopping like a waterfall right. of my just, and then sore for days because listen did they serve alcohol of course they did did they partake uh-huh yep mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and so the confidence just skyrocketed and i oh. was doing back walkovers like i've been doing them for years all the moves yep. i didn't know i could do a backflip but i maybe did one sure move did. over simone biles sure uh, <laughs> taking over and it was also one of the moments i was on this trend of when i meet celebrities i tend to stick my foot in the mouth not so much with you no. But when I, did meet Chris- <laughs> when I did meet Christella, I, for whatever reason, my first, no, I saw Christella, comedian, hilarious, and I, she, I met her that same weekend, a few days later, at a um, screening for Dolores Huerta's documentary, because oh, my cool. friend was the uh, assistant director on it, and so right. I went to a screening, I went to the panel discussion, she was hosting the panel discussion, and for whatever reason we were connecting we're like oh man it's so good to see you at the you know uh max fun con like oh we were like one of the few like people of color like we could spot each other and we're connecting on that and i then for whatever reason i'm like man i'm so sorry i don't know why i always bring up celebrities shows that got canceled like that's (laughs) what they want to hear i'm always trying to like commend like lament with them but I always it feels say, like the elephant in the room that you're like, you know what? I'm going to take the God. year out of this. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to address it. Well, I remember hearing about her show and wanting to watch it, but there was so much TV, even of like, course. you know, five, six, seven years ago. And I said to her, I was like, oh, man, I would have loved to watch your show, but it was on CBS and I don't fuck with CBS. You know, no people of color in there. And she's mm-hmm. like, it was on ABC, you fuck. Then we were friends ever since. So... Oh, I have James, that's many, fun. That's fun. many a okay. story like that. I'm sure. meeting a celebrity. I'm going mm-hmm. to say something yes. um, that's, you know, not going to be great. Exactly. Um, 
That happened to me. I was trying to talk about somebody special, and I was like, and it airs tonight. And they were like, it was last night. And I was like, as I was saying, we all watched it last night. Am I right? It's just like, uh, there's no way to recover. Just no. What a mess. Uh, what a mess. Yeah. But speaking of things that we are watching, but that are not a mess, mm -hmm. you and I both have been rehashing. So when I wake up in the morning <laughs> and the laundry's out of water, I don't think I'll ever. We'll take it to the show. <laughs> Taking the show on the road. <laughs> Same with the Bell, the reboot. Can yeah. we talk about it's it's better than it needs to be yeah. or like should even be? I am because I was like, there's I'm gonna watch it because of course I'm gonna watch it. <sighs> I'm gonna but go there's back, no way they're course. gonna nail it. And so no. Tracy Wigfield is the one who did this to us. She wrote on Thirty Rock. She wrote okay, on yes. yes, good news. Yes. Yes, because so it has Tina that Bay vibe trained. to it. Yeah. My friend, my, my roommate kept being like, he's like, this feels like 30 Rock. I'm like, because it's uh, mm -hmm. it's got some someone who worked on it there. <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. But I, and I'm curious about your take on this. It feels like, it's because it's going to have a mass appeal. And it feels yes. like it is sort of harmonizing and pulling with the crowd who's not going to want something different. So mm. they're like, okay. Hold on, though, just if you just come my way a little, just a little, and you'll see that, okay, th these are some things that we should talk about and address, but gently. How but do you feel? And it's, and it's the perfect way to do a reboot. It's very sort of like, so it's on, on Peacock for anybody. Like, yes, it's another streaming service, but you can do a one week for, the first episode is free, yeah. but you're going to you're gonna have to subscribe afterwards because that one episode is just not going to be It'll good look, enough. Yeah. Yep. Very Degrassi-esque where it's like the rest of the cast is now the older, like Zach is the governor of California. <laughs> and it's like everything, like if you look back, like looking back with our, you know, 2020 goggles, looking back, like Zach is like a terrible human being. Like, you know, First. yeah. And they acknowledge that he is a terrible human being in the <laughs> yes. show. Like, they don't shy away from it. Like, his son is also, like, the butt of, like, his son is very Zach-esque. And it's almost, like, it's very sort of, like, commenting on the show of, like, how it was and commenting on it while still, like you said, sort of moving, like, subverting all sorts of expectations. The right. cast is more diverse. The yes. one who gets to do the timeout is a Latina mm -hmm. Um her best friend Aisha who's black ends up being on like the football team like just all these different and then like you know like in Save by the Bell they're always like scheming they always had all these different like schemes and stuff and yeah. they just comment on like you guys are always like scheming and they have like names for their schemes so just sort of like it comments on how much like this was not reality but we all like gobbled it up and didn't question it really so great and then you're on episode are you at the part where they're inviting seniors to the dance have you seen that episode oh my god so yes. the commentary on like the casting <laughs> wasn't consistent with the actual age of high schoolers and they address that in such a hilarious uh, way because that was such a thing like in the 90s <laughs> like when you're watching 90210 andrea's like Andrea's 40. She's full. Okay, you're right. She's 76. And I mean, thriving. like, <laughs> just, and, and like, but I love it because, like, when they first, they're like, oh, the seniors, we're going to, like, they're going to ask us to the dance. And there's one, I'm like, this guy looks kind of old. And then, like, they comment on it. They're like, is he a little old? And they just get older oh. as the episode progresses. Like, chefs so kiss my well done my yeah. friend uh who's a friend on the, she's been on the pod before uh right. shantira jackson she's one of the writers of the show uh shantira will you please send her my regards and thank <sighs> her for her fine work yes okay. and i just i love it because they have oh my god what's the name of like the white lady moms oh it spells i forget uh, the acronym of it, it it's spells pity right 
so it's like parents integrating teens. Y- yeah. And youth. Youth. Yeah. Something like something. that. Because yeah. the whole premise is that like the kids from like the, you know, uh, the inner city kids or whatnot, mm-hmm. their school gets shut down because of Zach Morris being a really shitty governor. Um, and so now the schools are being more, in- it's being integrated to like the more wealthier Bayside High. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not doing it in the way that you've seen other shows or other TV, like, you know, or movies like Bring It On or something. It's just, I don't know. There's just something, there's heart. I think that's the other thing about yeah. the show. Yep. There's heart and there's love and they're addressing like all the conversations. The Zach's best friend that he's always sort of like feuding with is a trans actress and her, her character is trans in the show. Like, incredible. Yeah. I love it. I, I love it. Her name uh, her name is uh, Josie Tota. Josie yeah. Tota, yeah. and she's so hilarious. Oh my so god! So good. And the talent of these kiddos is really yeah. really great. Plus, we also have Slater and Jesse. Just they're still working at the school, which yes. is exactly what you want for them. Oh my gosh! Great. Like Jesse is a, a counselor with her book. Uh, I'm so excited! I'm so excited! I'm so scared! I'm a parent. <laughs> like. And anytime, like, kids are about to, like, do, like, you know, uh, <laughs> caffeine pills, which they're yeah. like, yeah, caffeine yeah. pills. That's okay. what those were. They were a little sure, bit more harder. Most dangerous of all pills. <laughs> uh, well, it sounds like you and I are just giving it the stamp of approval. And Lark Full Voorhees is going to yeah. be coming to the show. There was contra- like she wasn't originally included, but I don't know if you've seen and gone down the YouTube rabbit hole. No, which tell me what's happening. We have on the pod. Um she she is bipolar and so she had it really bad like by like some some um layers of schizophrenia in it and so it hadn't had her included in it and then there was a big dr oz show about it and she's fine now and so i guess she'll be appearing later on in the season oh i love to see it okay it is interesting to see that all of those kiddos are producers for it so i like that they're all uh, what do we think that is they're just contributing in some way yeah, I think because you know what, 90210 did the reboot as well when right. they did theirs. And actually, it was very similar, sort of acknowledging the ridiculousness of their own show as they reboot it, which I they think were. that's like, I think that's our generation's con- like our, mm-hmm. our comedy. We like to comment yep. on like what's going oh, on. Do we ever. we yeah. all see what's happening. Yeah. yeah. And just like really fast, witty writing. We're just like, I think Jesse's son, <laughs> she doesn't know how to like uh, tell her son like no or like she does, she's not. Although she's a big counselor and this PhD doctor, her son is just like a completely like idiot, right? But he's yep. got such heart. He's so got much such heart. heart. So he much can't... heart. Yeah. But before the football game, he gives like these, you know, loving pep talks instead of getting them all fired up to like really crush the other team. And he also makes like his, <laughs> he started cooking and she has to eat his meals, which are, I, I, what is it? Like raw spaghetti and water sauce. Yeah. Oh, just real bad. Yeah, just the worst. But she can't tell him like, no. She don't want her to feelings. A, and what a funny line. I just don't understand like who write like the writing is just like but anyways I think I do like that I like it when these kiddos, the old school Sam the Bell, they're all producers on it, like you were saying. And I just think like yeah, I think I love that they're able to take the piss out of, you know, their yeah. their their work and just really let like people have a full sort of playground in the brand and the world that they used to inhabit. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I just, I truly think they did. They did it. They got it right. This is great. It's great. Uh, chef's kiss. So check it out and, and listen. If you, you can, the, the you can easily watch all 10 episodes within your free week trial. Yeah. Like that's, that's, cause don't forget to cancel. Not even full 30 minutes. Like you can, you can do it. Oh, oh my God. Give yourself yeah. a weekend. Believe in yourself and you can Give, make that happen. 
Peacock, way to go. So that's what all <laughs> these networks, they always find like one show mm-hmm. and they get you. Yeah. And then you forget to cancel your subscription. Right. And then they, that's, I'm. Um, that's how they do it. Yep. I'm paying for all kinds of things. Um, Well, is this, speaking of, so what is nice is I really appreciate too, also like showing like Shantira said this I think on when uh, we had a minority corner town hall on race and she was saying how you know TV can show us how the world how it should be but also commenting on how it actually is and with that like having a trans high school high schooler and accepted like she's popular she's on you know the cheerleading squad and she's also like she gets to be she's just funny and does really comedic shit and um so with that though with representation what are your thoughts about that what are we thinking about this so kristen stewart who i just rewatched charlie's angels for the second time okay i haven't seen it for the first time catch me up (laughs) i really enjoyed it so much the first time and then the second time it Everyone go watch it because I want to support female yes. action stuff okay. directed by women, written by women. Because the the McG one is is fun, funny. It's fun, but it's also like very like objectifying towards the women. Mm-hmm. Like it was mm-hmm. seen as this like su- sort of guys like our ideas of like what self empowerment and feminism was was underneath like so messed if up. A so guy was approved. Everybody yes. comfortable? Yeah. Yes. So even like with Joss Whedon, like if it was like a guy who was helming what the feminism conversation and look was going to be, or like, oh my God, this is like so progressive. And right. it was nice seeing Elizabeth Banks take direct and write it. And Kristen Stewart, she does an amazing job. I've never seen her in like anything else. I missed, yeah. She's, I missed Twilight. I didn't. I also missed Twilight. But I got to say, <laughs> in this. I, I don't know why I thought that you would have watched it. I don't know. <laughs> no, that why. tracks with me. I feel like okay. that's, uh, that sounds right on board sure. with something that I'd be like, like, absolutely. Uh, I can do it. I can do it. The Bips and Bob, because like super into musical theater, fully available to believe that. But you, you put a vampire in it and like. Pfft, what are we even doing? Where's reality, huh? It just it makes no sense. There's no sense to my taste at all. It's mostly basic, but I pick and choose what I want it to be. Well, I think that's, I mean, for myself, by the time, for me, like Buffy had told the story of vampires. I was like, I don't need any other one. Sure. Like, I already yeah. know the story. Don't try it. anybody else. Like, we already covered it. So right. by the time Twilight came around, I'm like, you guys, we already, we already this, did this. It's okay. We're all right. We're and okay. I could do True Blood because it was like sexy, you know. There you and go. That was different. I love the Count from Sesame Street. So everybody's got a vampire <laughs> they can work with. <laughs> what? Yeah. What's your vampire? Like that's <laughs> it's like a little Buzzfeed quiz. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like a good like sort of like first date connection. Oh, yeah. Like so, what's your vampire story? Yeah. Like what's your yeah. sort of like what's your sign? But it's like what's your vampire story? Right. Now, are you doing what we do in the shadows? Have you gotten into that? I haven't. Yeah, I have fine. not. You're okay. Fine. Do fine. I need to? <laughs> everybody, everybody, I, that's not true. A good amount of people I find funny love it. Mm. I can't get into it. But okay. I think enough funny people like it that there's probably something in there. I just, that's the, the count's one, not a, in it, so I can't participate. <laughs> like, where's the count? <laughs> uh, is that the one that's, that's on FX? Is that on FX? Yeah, I think Okay. So. I think right. it got canceled. Don't let me run into one of those actors. <laughs> Sorry, your show got canceled. I said that to Eric Andre as well when I first ran into him. I was like, so sorry your show got canceled. No, He's like, you're letting people <laughs> off the hook. I'm just like, we're all thinking it, so I'm just going to address it and we'll move on. 
his show is still on the air. It's on the Cartoon Network, the Eric Andre <laughs> show, which I forgot existed in that moment. I was talking about Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 13 with Chris, right. with uh, Kristen. No. What's her name? The other Kristen. You know, it's the another other Kristen. One. I'm sorry. Oh, God. She played Jessica Jones. I'm so mad at myself okay. for not remembering. Kristen. Ritter. Kristen Ritter. Okay. Good. Okay. You got there. There, Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> you did Anyways. It. Okay. <laughs> But Kristen Stewart, what she was saying, yes, because um, they were. She was said. She was said. I would never want to tell a story that really should be told by somebody who lives that experience. Having said that, it's a slippery slope conversation because that means I could never play another straight character if I'm going to hold everyone to the letter of this particular law. I think it's such a great gray area. And there are ways for men to tell women's stories or ways for women to tell men's stories, but we need to have our finger on the pulse and actually to have care, blah, blah, blah. So she's essentially saying it's a slippery slope of, you know, because she is queer and does that mean she can only play um, queer roles and queer parts? Like, Mm -hmm. can she not play straight characters anymore? Yeah. And then also Viggo Mortensen also getting in on this conversation yeah, so he <laughs> oh, he's defending uh playing a gay role and essentially so he is directing a movie he's uh it's his debut film directing role and he wrote and stars in the film uh, called falling as john a married gay man who takes it in his racist homophobic and abusive father abusive father um, who has like dementia, and then I think his husband, Viggo Morton's husband, is Asian American um, as well. And he's also like, I don't know the sexuality of you know the guy who played his husband. He's right. like, because I didn't, I didn't ask. It's you know none of my business. So mm. here we are in 2020 now having this conversation. Yeah. What yep. are we? Th- what are we thinking? I mean, it's not sitting right. It's definitely not sitting right. I think you know like no let's let's cast it as is you Mm. can do that you can do that and then you can make an exception because a little bit the scales have been tipped a really long time the other direction so it's okay for us to balance out those scales Mm. so i i don't know i think um honestly like my real real tank yeah when it's just us no one's okay no one's here i'm not no one's listening i'm not linda tripping you yeah what i would what i would secretly do if i was a casting director is that i would put queer people up for everything Mm. and i wouldn't let straight people Mm -hmm. go for the queer roles i just wouldn't bring them in yeah is what i would do if i was a casting director this is so helpful because i actually didn't know i'm because i think like sometimes like in life you're having to pick and choose your battles. And this used to be one of like the hills I would die on where right. it was like cast gay actors, like in these roles. I specifically think, um, well, here's, I think I, I, so specifically for, I do not think that cisgender people should play trans roles. I, no. I do no, not no, think no, that no. Yeah. at all. That seems like a um, separate conversation. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe it's the same. Yeah. And I, but I, and I think like, cause I think before I was definitely on the camp of like, cast like you know queer actors in queer roles specifically because like you know perfect mountain there's all these you know and then because there was this thing where it was like you know straight actors could win awards for playing you know gay roles and but gay roles couldn't like it was almost like oh so brave to like play like a gay character so dangerous (laughs) and you had to kiss a kiss a man and you were a man oh you know give him an award how did he do that so brave how did you get into character like how did you do it um and i think now like because i i i guess like the things that i'm watching 
there is and there's not enough we're definitely not there but like right. maybe i've just been pacified you know maybe that like i'm like oh i am seeing you know representation so okay maybe you can open it up a little bit i think that i like your i like your casting director standpoint better than mine i'm firing myself <laughs> no, as a no, casting no, director certainly not, certainly i have not. no business <laughs> Being casting director. What would you? What do you think you would do? Because there is something where like chemistry and the person who serves yeah. the role best and blah blah blah. Yes. But I just keep looking. Just well, keep and looking. I I will say this. So Viggo Mortensen did make this other point, and he goes on like he's like, "You're also assuming something about my sexuality." He's like, "You don't know if I am. You don't know if I'm not. You you just don't know." Mm. And so I'm like, "Oh, that is interesting. You're right. We are making assumptions." At the same time, you know, kids are still you know queer kids are still committing suicide they're still being yeah. you know attacked and so being out and open does you know matter and so you know maybe if you go more has you know sucked the dick or something i don't know his life right sure. but why not you know Say talk that. about it you yeah. know hey, it's never been on safer it. well i mean that's <laughs> well, tricky, but it's right. uh yes. i think you know the reason to do it outweighs the reason not to right. that said it's a very incredibly incredibly personal choice and i sort of respect it well and the thing is because like i was very much against like you know my i uh, queer theater professor used to call sean hayes from will and grace you know a baby killer because <laughs> i know oh God, strong right. choice of words yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. but because he was on this show getting all these accolades and he wouldn't come out of the closet right oh, but this okay. is also a different time yeah. but kids yeah. were still you know killing themselves at such high you know rates and representation does matter right um but it was a different time and i respect everybody's time to you know be able to come out i guess my thing is if you are going to play a queer character and you are mostly identifying as straight i don't know i think i think well you got to really go for it like you got to really you know passionately kiss on the lips <laughs> and just like you know do do a sex scene of sorts like you got to go like i don't know if you've ever seen i i love you philip morris i think it is with like you and mcgregor and yeah. jim carrey yeah I know there's a it. Yeah. hardcore gay sex scene between oh. jim carrey and you and mcgregor like hey. Just man, someone's getting pounded in the okay. doggy style position. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, right. And so I'm like, if you're gonna, you gotta like, you know, just you know, go for it. No, like, you know, pecks on the cheek. No shooting it in a different way. Like, you gotta really, you know, go for it. And yeah. and and you're gonna be embraced and by the the queer community. And some guys are gonna, you know, probably flirt with you. But right. I don't know. Like, you just gotta. I, I think otherwise you're not the right person. If you can't fully embrace the 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 spirit of that role, then you're you know not the right person. But I do like your because I was I think my thing like I was thinking with Kristen Stewart. Stewart, I think the fear is I was thinking the same thing is that like I wouldn't want to only have to play queer roles. And I think the problem with it is there's so few roles still. And exactly. so yes. if I think yeah. and that's what her fear is. She's like, well. If you're going to put me in this lane, she doesn't want the other reverse to be true. Right. That if we're like, <clears throat> straight actors can't play queer roles, she doesn't want it to be the same thing that queer actors can't play straight roles. Because, right. like, there's so few roles for us. So, like, and I think we'll get to a period one day where it's just, like, really doesn't matter. I think the bigger conversation is, like, I think what Viggo Mortensen was alluding to is that, like, sexuality is just such a spectrum. Yeah. And one day when we can just sort of, like, blow it up and get rid of it, then it's, great. like, great. Everybody's a little bit something and everybody you know can play whatever yeah and i want it to be weird to be like what, what okay why did you tell me that it's fine yeah do whatever you want totally to do. yeah whatever it would be, everyone 
<laughs> but until then, yeah. <laughs> no, we are not, you know, quite there. Right. Um, and last thing to sort of just touch on here. Um, so we talk about this a lot on the show, uh, the art of an apology. Uh, and yes. some celebrities or even just people, I know how to do it. And some people don't. There's the <laughs> usual, I'm sorry that you were offended. Right. Oof. Which we that's hear, not an apology. You know, no, that's just you. <laughs> that's you oh. making it worse is what that is. That's true. That is exactly <laughs> that is exactly what it is. Right. So um, Melissa McCarthy, it's a really great, you know, video. She took to Instagram to apologize because um, she accidentally donated to Exodus Cry, which is a group that opposes human trafficking, Oof. but conceals a harsh anti-LGBTQ agenda be behind its mission statement. So um, I think they've like donated to very a lot of like anti, you know, LGBTQ causes. And um, yeah, so she, you know, he, people were on Twitter and they were like, hey, I don't know if you knew this, but, um, you know, they're hugely for, you know, marriage between a man and a woman and just all this sort of anti-LGBTQ, you know, rhetoric. And she came out and had to really great apologize and she's like you know what we made a mistake and we backed the charity that upon proper vetting stands uh stands for everything that we do not so i want to thank everyone on social media who said what are you doing are you sure you want to back this because um the answer is that no we do not like and so they've they pulled it and uh she's you know apologizing for her mistakes and uh yeah i just thought it was a really really great it's, way to just step in front of it own it yeah and to be so genuine and authentic with it that i think sometimes apologies can skew a little like please don't be mad at me and that mm -hmm. was like and if you are i get it i understand we blew it yeah we do our best not to do it anymore was exactly. a real like i'm not trying to manipulate your reaction to this i'm simply telling you that i messed up and here's how i'm fixing it and that's it and to just like Walk away because so many of these apologies do seem a little like controlling and just like I'm gonna make you feel this way about it. And you're like, N no, you don't get no, to decide that. That's or to make it about like them. You know, right. they're like, oh wow, like I, I'm being attacked. And right. yeah. yeah, there's a certain sort of I think being able to have. I think for some people, like they take the cr critique so hard and so personally, and so that's their own. Everyone's on their own sort of you know journey or whatnot. But unfortunately, that sort of stunts the work. I just Kevin Hart always you know comes to mind um because you know when he was called out for his past sort of you know homophobic you know tweets and comments and i give space and grace for people to evolve i'm sure that's you know not who he is and the work that he's you know oh, yeah, absolutely but instead of like continuing the conversation he just dropped out of hosting the oscars completely and it was like mm, this was a missed opportunity for the for the conversation i think we too on the other end have to give space for uh melissa mccarthy has you know owned up to it so we gotta like you know i think sometimes we could knowing when to put the pitchforks down i also think it goes back to like oftentimes the way that we behave is the way that we were taught and so you have to like make that active choice to be like well my dad would have been this way and so i'm gonna continue on the abuse is it's just it's hard man to figure out okay no i'm just gonna be honest and i'm gonna be sincere mm. and i'm gonna let that land yeah, and people yeah. and to be OK with there's going to be a lot of people who don't forgive me for this. Mm, that's true, too. I, I can that's say true in too. my heart that I did it right. 
And but I, I think the other side of it is to give space and grace. We're all going to step in it. I've stepped in on this podcast. Uh, You know, I'm probably stepping on it today. I'm sure I've you know said something that was out of control. (laughs) I was. I can't remember when this was. This is. I don't know, but the timing of it happened where I was like, you know how you're just dicking around on your phone while you're in line uh, at Home Depot, uh, okay. thinking I was doing a good thing supporting our Olympians oh, because Home Depot no. uh, gives them a job when they're not training. Uh, and then just it came, it like it, I was in the store as the news broke, and I was just like, I, 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 and so I'm just like trying to walk away from your cart and leave, but I was, I was in there. You're already in there. Yeah. So it's it happens. So We've all done it. I don't know if you watched like the the Good Place, but the main point of the Good Place by the time you get to season four is the idea is like it's so hard to be a good person these days because oh like <laughs> we're all doing something that is probably affecting or disenfranchising right. somebody around Constantly. the world. Yeah. Like it's yeah. so hard. I can't shame people who go to Walmart, which I think is like an evil corporation, because mm-hmm. you know what? I still shop through Amazon because sure. it's convenient. Yep. And not like, you know, it's our generation's Walmart and it's terrible yeah. and it's awful and yep. it's just so hard. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is. Like it almond is. milk consumes so much water. <laughs> and I'm trying to like, you know, not, you know, affect the cows. But right. now I'm like fucking up the environment because I'm drinking almond milk. Like it is. Lord, it's everything hard. has an underbelly. Exactly. But I think you're I lo- first off, I love space and grace. I love it so much. Stealing it, using it. Thank you so much for that. Um, but yeah, a little bit like ultimately is is your intention good? And if it starts with good intention, then yes. maybe we can grow from there. And then when you step in it to be able to have the space for everybody involved, like I need to also have the space because I like there'll be shame involved. Like right. I know if I fuck something up or say the wrong thing, I'm going to shut down. And I'm going to feel shame. Yep. And so I need to work through that. But I also need space right. to be able to work through my shame so I can come to the table we can have a learning experience. I'm. It's not that I'm. I'm a bad person. It just, you know, accept in it. You yeah, know. That's so it. it's like, because it's like guilt is I did a bad thing, and then shame is I am a bad thing. Right. And yeah. that's hard to get out of because sure. that's deep rooted, as opposed to like, oh, I just did something. Oh, okay. All Let right. me correct and learn from that. Make steps but to move forward. Yeah. Am a bad thing, and especially if you're you know a marginalized person that starts to root into mm-hmm. all the different ways society or our parents or other people in our lives or teachers have told us yeah. that we are wrong or we're bad or we should be feeling shameful right and the things we'll do to not feel shame are uh, ugh, the worst the what worst. is this the Brene? it feels like we just turned into the Brene brown podcast <laughs> right, exactly. Brene, but are you listening are you proud of us <laughs> <we> get it right? <laughs> we're talking about shame we're talking about shame but we have this like shame spiral culture yeah. it's a culture of, of shame and and suffering and uh we're gonna break that this is a new era it's a new day yeah get out of here shame You're you ain't got no anymore. space for here There's yeah that door. get yes get up and leave don't you dare <laughs> come trying to shame me Mm-mm-mm-mm. great perfect i don't well, think shame's coming back all right. Speaking of <laughs> by shame, uh, great. Well, we're gonna go to something uh, <laughs> shameful about America's history. Uh-uh. After, well, maybe I don't know. How do I reframe this? I was gonna. We're gonna be talking about uh, the history of uh, Indian boarding schools, and I'll tell you why I'm calling it that specifically. Right. Is that a shame? I think is that a shameful thing, or something to feel a little guilty about? I think, I think it might depend on shame, but we'll see. Okay. We'll see. I'll get some sometimes, information. Sometimes, we'll maybe sometimes a little shame is okay. So, shame, 
you just, you just, we're gonna, we're gonna close the door on you, but you stay right there. Just keep listening outside the door. <laughs> Hi, I'm Renee Colbert. I'm Alexis Preston. And we're the hosts of the smash hit podcast, Can I Pet Your Dog? Now, Alexis. Yes. We got big news. Uh-oh. Since last we did a promo, our dogs have become famous. World famous. World, like, stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Second big news. Mm-hmm. The reviews are in. Mm-hmm. Take yourself to Apple Podcasts. You know what you're going to hear? We're happy. It's true. We're a delight. A great distraction from the world. I like that part a lot. So if that's what you guys are looking for, mm-hmm. you got to check out our show. But what else can they expect? We've got dog tech, dog news, celebrities with their dogs, all dog things. All the dog things. So if that interests you, well, get yourself on over to Maximum Fun every Tuesday. Hey, Corner Cades. Now, I don't know about you, but throughout the pandemic, I have found myself just cooking the same thing over and over again. I'm almost bored of dinner at a lot of my favorite restaurants or clothes, and eating out is also, like, really expensive. And I found myself wanting to cook. But again, like, I just was so bored with the same recipes. And also... You know, I don't like going to the grocery store, even in a non-pandemic world. So I was looking for something that was just going to, like, boop, land at my doorstep and tell me what to do. So did you know that you can get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh? It is America's number one meal kit. I have just loved HelloFresh. Like, they have meals for whatever is your diet. And the recipes are easy to follow. Like, even I could follow them. Um, and you get to keep little recipe things. So it has literally just changed the way that I have cooked and given me so many new types of recipes. And so when you sign up, you can also easily change your delivery days or your meal plan preferences. Like if you're like, okay, no more meats for me, going over the vegetarian options or let me dabble with the vegan. You can just experiment. And you know, with so much going on with COVID, you deserve a little bit of zest in your life. Let this food bring you some joy, learn a new skill. And you can also skip whenever you need right on the app. It's super easy. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Minority90 and use code Minority90. That's nine zero after you type in a little minority there. And you're going to get $90 off. Hence the 90, including free shipping. That's really dope. So that's HelloFresh.com slash Minority90 and code Minority90 when you go to checkout. Okay, well, uh, the jury's going to be out. Is this a shameful thing or a guilty thing or a thing that happened that we're learning and we're growing from and we're going to heal? Maybe we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll get some more information. We'll yes. Yeah. I like that. Let's get some more information. I think that should always be someone's motto. Someone tells you something. Great. Let's get some more information. <laughs> yes. Joe, yes. B- Joe Biden is a pedophile who bathes in the blood of children for aliens. Great. Great. Let's get some more information. Love that as a jumping off point. Let's get some more information on that. What do you say? Oh, man, that's good. <laughs> oh, I like that so tactic, crazy. writing that one down. I wish I could take credit for it. It was taught to me by a friend who used to apply that when would get super angry at work. Mm. So, like, you'd get a snippy email, you'd get a whatever, and then the, his, like, inner monologue was constantly like, let's get more information. What's going on there? And it I, is I so that. helpful. Because yeah. it helps you to, like, take a pause from the feelings that you're experiencing. Right. And then let's give space for, like, let's just, all right, cool. Let's see yeah. what else. It'll, um, the truth 
will unearth itself. Although sometimes right. it's hard when we don't have the same foundation of what truth is, which is happening true. right now. But true, true. Yes. It, it yes. we'll just keep getting more information and we'll see. <laughs> Look at the sources. Why do you think that's the truth? And we'll see. Oh, this one is from uh, I am an American, not a Russian dot Russia. Okay. That's okay. interesting. All right. That sounds so like that's the information we needed to dismiss <laughs> this completely. Okay, good. Solved. <laughs> Did it take Scooby-Doo to solve that mystery? Okay. So for this, I wanted to, you know, just on the heels of uh, the long weekend of gratitude, or also known as, you know, Thanksgiving. Sure. Which, let's put a pin in that. I want to come back to it. I feel like every time I say Thanksgiving, it just feels like such a dirty word these days. It just... Yeah. I know too much. I just, it's its hard. So I wanted to touch on the history of Indian boarding schools. And I specifically will be using this phrase. I know some of you are clutching the pearls because I'm using the phrase Indian. But I want to keep it as that because that's what, to highlight these problematic racist practices. I think mm -hmm. to use the word indigenous and, and native, um, you know, it is highlighting where we, you know, the, the, and, enlightenment acknowledgement of the horrific nature of things um i don't think that these were indigenous boarding schools because that wasn't the purpose yeah. these were there racist no institutions yeah. they were indian boarding schools and they were fucked up because that's what they were even called does that make sense it makes perfect sense it makes perfect sense yeah because i think to apply any type of growth and information to something that has none yeah isn't gonna hit as hard no nope. so yeah right. we're looking at this through a museum lens it's like <laughs> a it's like a you know the racist statues put it right. in a museum so we can look at it and be like mm -hmm. interesting never Glad again we're not that way anymore yeah so um these articles that i'm gonna be referencing there's one from npr we'll learn it we'll put it in the show notes which so you know look at this credibility and one from the atlantic and uh, nativepartnerships.org and boardingschoolhealing.org is where this information is coming from. And the writer from the Atlanta article, her name was Mary Annette Pember. Her mother was a survivor of the boarding schools. And she has pretty much spelled it out that these were institutions created to destroy and vilify Native culture, language, family, and spirituality. And she talks about, um, it's really, you know, it's a very important for us to hear these stories about, you know, what happened. And just talk, she talks about how her mother, Bernice, was a survivor of St. Mary's Catholic boarding school in the Obijiwa Reservation in Wisconsin. Oof. So... Okay. How did this all start? Well, yeah, yeah. it was about 200 years ago. Uh, in fact, we just passed last year the 200, I don't know, I don't, anniversary sounds too happy. Like the yeah. 200 year mark. Year mark. That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 200 year mark. Woo, that <laughs> fucked up thing that happened. <laughs> and it came on the heels of the Indian Civilization Act Fund of March 3rd. That happened in 1819. And it was also the peace policy and <laughs> peace for who? Yeah. In, um, in, 18, in 1869, the United States, in concert with um, and the urging of several uh, denominations of the Christian church, adopted an Indian boarding school policy expressly intended to implement a cultural genocide, essentially, for American Indian and Alaska Native children by systemically by the systemic destruction of native cultures in their communities. So going back to the Civilization Fund Act, essentially it was responsible for creating the Indian boarding schools, um, which 
deem the native culture and language that they were to blame for the country's quote unquote Indian problem. They were like, hmm, we got a problem. There's all these quote unquote Indians on this land that is theirs. How do we deal with it? So Everything of, you say is worse than the previous thing you just said. Oh, but yeah. Just get. Okay. Woof, yeah. yeah, yeah just get comfy. Get, All right. get comfy. Shame, you still there? Good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shame's back in. He's made okay. a cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just shaking that shame martini. Back in, boy. Drink up because you're going to need it. <laughs> Woo. So, Ay-yay. essentially, like, so the, 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 it was an Indian boarding school era, which went from. 1860 to 1978. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. These 40 years ago, this was still going on. 42, 43. Good math. And yes, that was quick math. That was nice. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So we're looking at like hundreds of thousands of Native American children are removed from their homes and families and placed in boarding schools operated by the federal government and these churches. And we actually don't even have an exact like with most things that are fucked up. There's not even an exact number of it because they weren't really thinking of these as you know humans per se uh and by the 1900 there were 20,000 children in indian boarding schools and by 1925 that number more than tripled so it was like revving up in the 20th century and by 1926 nearly 83 percent of indian school age children were attending these boarding schools 83 percent no no there were about 357 boarding schools in 30 states. Uh, like I said, in the 1900s, uh, 1900s, about 20,000 children in boarding schools. 1925, about 60,000, uh, almost 61,000 children in these boarding schools. So hundreds of boarding schools. But these, when, the, when it first started out, uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs was established, um, which is so wild that that was like a thing. And there was like a secretary yeah. of, the, of, of the Indian borough of affairs which they were probably a white person just gonna say it (laughs) you think yeah well the first boarding school was on the yakima indian reservation in the state of washington and the schools were part of a plan that were devised by well-intentioned eastern reformers Mm -hmm. herbert walsh Mm -hmm. Walsh and henry pancos it just reminds me of like we still have those like you know sort of like this is like well-intentioned Oh, white liberal oh, sure, people. Sure, sure. The pity committee. It's the pity committee. <laughs> it's exactly that. Oh Saved by the God, bell. God, Saved it. by the bell. <laughs> calling it there. Just see right. this way. You go to the reboot because it's Saved by the bell reboot. Speaking the truth. <laughs> You're going to know exactly who started gonna, these. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is what they're talking about. <laughs> so they were, they were, had helped establish the first, um, you know, boarding school. And on this, the idea was it was going to help these Native folks assimilate into the American way of life, and they'd be taught the importance of private property, material wealth, and monogamous nuclear families. Oh, my God. I mean, yes. If that's your jam, sure. But like, no, like, <laughs> yeah, but let's not force this upon – well, even it, – no, It's no, just like – Because that's, board, like, that's no. your way of th- – they literally have a different way of, like, living and thinking about life that we can't even comprehend, you know? You're right. – Yeah. It's – Oh, just the forcing of this is so wild. already off yeah. to the wrong start pity committee. Well-intentioned white people. And then <laughs> look at these well-intentioned white people. This is what we're talking about. See, sometimes yeah. good intentions 
can lead mm-hmm. to disasters because like sure. it then led to these boarding schools that we'll see a little bit later. So okay, um, it was idea it was to civilize them, and the first priority of the boarding schools would be to provide, um, you know, at first it was going to be like you know, root like education, reading and writing, and speaking of the English language. Eventually, they learn arithmetic and science and history and the arts, and all these you know things that get them to you know have self-directing power of thought. And they, you know, have individualism and all these sort of things, again, to try to indoctrinate them into white American society. Make them exactly like us. A hundred percent. Instead of just, like, letting, you know, all right. The federal government was like, this is not working. This is not enough. We still have a, quote, unquote, Indian problem. Let's kick it up a few notches. Good. And so then they started yes. developing in the 1870s. You had off-reservation boarding schools. So this one was at least, like, on the reservation. Then they were like, no, 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 let's kick it up a notch. Right, right. So then, get you out of that completely. Right. Yes, and so this is around the time I uh, this asshat Richard Pat, who was a colonel who established the Carlisle Indian Schools in Carlisle, very creative. He came up with the concept of kill the Indian, save the man. So the idea was to essentially do all this stuff to okay. kill the Indian inside of them, but you know, kill the Indian in him and save the oh man. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. So. And that was said out loud. That wasn't oh, just a violent he had a thought speech. he had. It was, it it was, was a whole speech. There was a big okay, speech. Good, good, and this good, good, and that great. so this is the tail end of a big speech that he gave. And that was right. the slogan that was kind of like the mantra of these schools and how they were able to <sighs> tell themselves that they were doing great things. Right. So at this, now children were sometimes forcibly taken by armed police. And there was this mm-hmm. one guy who had the story of like, he thought that his mom didn't want him anymore. But he was being thrown onto the bus. And when he turned around, he saw all the mothers crying. And he realized of that course. like, yeah. oh, this was, you know, not what they wanted. And for some communities, boarding schools were the only option for public schools because uh, for because public schools were close to them because racism. They weren't allowed. Mm-hmm. So the only options right. that they had were these boarding schools yeah and then native families so like one in third of the 357 known indian boarding schools were managed by christian denominations and according to uh according to that act christian missionaries and other persons of good moral character were charged of introducing native children to the habits and the arts of civilization so uh that's how they were able to take this up this whole entire thing kind of reminds me of like the in china they have like the muslim rehabilitation camps like that's right it's just brainwashing you know yeah well and just the systemic like racism of it is it's just so like relevant of just like well you can't slaughter them anymore right what's the next step yeah they're like okay and then what's the next step it's just like no but this all came from because slaughtering wasn't an option so you're clearly not doing it correctly Mm -hmm. is just this is so bad they were like i didn't I, i didn't even know any of this existed yeah yeah this ah, is God. why we have these conversations here. Yeah. And so then early in the history of the American Indian boarding schools, the U.S. government argued that the quote unquote Indians were savages who should be compelled to send their children to school by whatever means necessary. And then later, the government recommended increased Indian control over education at the schools. And then a report in late 1880s defended the early days of the schools. But then in the 1920s, a report concluded that the children at the federal boarding schools were malnourished, overworked, harshly punished and poorly educated. 
Then when you get to 1893, oh, well, this was... So there was an 1893 court ruling that increased pressure to keep Indian children in boarding schools. And then when you get to 1969, a report declared that the Indian education to be a national tragedy. But mind you, this is 1969, and the schools were still going to, like, 1978. And in the 1960s, a congressional report found that many teachers still saw their role as civilizing American... This is 1960s. They saw their role as civilizing American Indian students, not educating them. And the report said that the schools still had major emphasis on discipline and punishment. Right. And then when you get to 1978 with the passing of the Indian Child Welfare Act, that Native American parents gained the legal right to deny their children placement in off-reservation schools. So we needed that act in 1978 to get passed. And then practices. Like, so what was going on here? What were the, what were they doing? What was what was their day in a life? Right. Well, right. their long hair, which was a source of pride for many Native peoples, were cut short, usually into identical bowl haircuts. So that already sucks. Because not only are you cutting off yeah. my traditional hair, you're giving me an ugly-ass bowl haircut. Just ugly. Just... And now I look awful. Yeah. yeah. Goodness, get any worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. You see the photos. They made them take pictures in it, too. It just is like... Uh. It just is the worst. It's like just humiliating. It's just like, yeah. give it alone. Now you got to take photos of this. Ah, gross. Yeah. They exchanged traditional clothing for uniforms. They embarked on a life influenced by strict military style, uh, you know, regim- regimentation. Students were yeah. physically punished for speaking their native languages. Contacts with family and community members was discouraged or forbidden altogether. And survivors have described a culture of pervasive physical and sexual abuse at the schools. Uh, food and medical attention were often scarce. Many students died. Their parents sometimes learned about their death only after they had been buried in the school's cemeteries, some of which were unmarked. Oh, God. Horrific. So they were slaughtering. So w- never just mind. In a different no, way. Because yeah. it was yeah, like yeah, either yeah. I'm going to kill that spirit inside of you, or I'll kill the body. Either way, I'm right. getting either they're way. getting rid of the quote unquote savage. Right. Yeah. Ugh. So then they had like conversion to Christianity, and these they, they were ravaged by disease, like tuberculosis. There was um, in December 1899, measles broke out at the Phoenix Indian School and had an epidemic. Uh, that was huge by January. Uh, in its wake, 325 cases of measles, 60 cases of pneumonia, and nine deaths were recorded in a 10-day period. Oh my God. That's just at one school. Yeah, so just one person a day is dying. Ooh. Just one. But just one a day. Yeah. God. That's, yeah. And so then they also were taught, like, a huge whitewashing of history. So Columbus Day was a huge hoopla at these schools Mm -hmm. because that was when, like, they were incorporated into history. So they weren't – they did not exist until, like – so they're learning about, you know, know, maybe, like, Egypt and Rome and (laughs) medieval times. And they don't hear anything about, like – now you're in the picture. Like now you exist when Columbus comes. You. Certainly that's not. No. that's the first that yeah. they're hearing that they exist. Thanksgiving was a day to celebrate, quote unquote, good Indians who aided the brave pilgrims. So this is like, hey, be like these guys and we'll give yeah. you a day to celebrate. That's all you gotta do. That's all you gotta do. New Year's was a reminder of how this culture, white culture, kept track of time. George Washington was the great white father, and Memorial Day some students were made to decorate the graves of soldiers sent to kill their fathers, essentially. Like, that's oh. what you're 
commemorate celebrating Memorial Day. It's a horror film. This is mm, yeah insane. Yep, yeah. So these are the kind of stories that Ryan Murphy should be diving into or handing the keys to for American Horror Story. Like, this is an American yeah. Horror yeah, Story. This is this, this is the actual American Horror Story. Yep. And, you know, as you know, you and I are both storytellers. It's like these are the stories that like I think let Hollywood, let's get on it. Let's start telling yeah. the story because we got to, you know, yes. un- unearth it. And this was, you know, it was a, a it was a race and replace. It was a, a brainwashing of, you know, th- their their experiences. And they specifically targeted Native nations that were the most recently hostile. So, of course, they yes, yeah. reprimand. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna fight back? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. isn't that? It's. I mean, this is just. It's <sighs> sick war. This is essentially just a warfare, you know, tactic. Of course it like is. this is. Yeah. 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 So they would recruit the children of the of leaders and explicitly hold these children hostage and send them to like these faraway places. And this way they could easily keep uh, the communities pacified with their children held in a school far away that was far away. Right. Yeah. Because what are you going to do? I got your kid. Yeah. Yep. Got your kid. Wow. Got him. Yep. And brainwashing yep. them. Ugh, it's like mm-hmm. the stuff that you see in science fiction movies. Uh, you know, but this actually happened in. Completely. Well, listen, like we've this is not even remotely close to the same thing, but we've all dated somebody who's got a bad pocket of friends, and every night that they go out with those bad pocket friends, you got to bring them on home and be like, not in our house. Yes. We use a coaster. Yes. Imagine, (laughs) yeah, and imagine they're just away for like a month at a time. Right, and just transforming into different people. Yeah. Yeah, especially kids because they're so malleable. Yeah. Oh, I hate this so So much. And kind of like in some ways, you know, reminding me of like the children's separation practices as well at the border. Mm-hmm. And um, the curriculum focused mostly. So here, oh, let's talk about what the curriculum in more detail. So as we had. We may need a cry break. <laughs> All right. As we had mentioned. Oh, shame isn't. Shame's right over my shoulder, actually. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Shame's just. Shame's making me make him a drink now. <laughs> now I'm making shame a drink because shame just is like, oh, this is. Oh, this is bad. Y'all gonna feel this isn't guilt. This is shame. This, this is, shame. is shameful. This is so much shame. Yeah. Shame needs a drink. Yeah. You doing okay, yep. shame? <laughs> what can I get you? A foot massage? God. <laughs> so, girls learn to cook, clean, sew, care for poultry, and do laundry for the entire institution. Boys learn industrial skills such as blacksmithing and shoemaking or perform manual labor such as farming. And because the schools had to be as self-sufficient as possible, students did most of the work. And by 1900, economic uh, practicality became the goal in, 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 in school curriculum slanted even further toward industrial training while academics languished. So they mainly were focused on trades and housekeeping. And that was like the jobs, essentially like it's slave conditioning essentially and these are you know the roles that were available for them and when you start talking about we've talked about this before on the podcast but like you know there like there's certain groups and communities that these were the only jobs that were conditionally available to them so when you talk about the economic wealth gap well there you go for generations yep man well what about they have any free time what do they do in their free time No, they didn't. We all know they didn't. No, no. We know if they did do anything that they were making stuff for them. So they did have some free times. They would have movie nights. They'd have movie nights. Do you want to know what kind of movies they watch? (sighs) Cowboy and Indian movies. Shame has a drink. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. How terrible. Right? Like, 
I have to watch this movie about how my people are the villain and they're being slaughtered. <sighs> yeah. So wow. needless to say, trauma, right? There's just yeah, you know trauma yeah. for the folks who survive these and the generational trauma that spurred from it. Um, the author of the Atlantic article, she said that her mother would spend hours washing the laundry saying, white, white, like the sisters had taught me, you know, um, and saying, uh, we may be Indian, but by God, we ain't dirty. Because they would call him like, you know, dirty <sighs> Indian. And she just would see her mother like muttering things to herself and just shaking her head like they just... Uh. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, worse than any horror movie I've ever seen. Terrible. Awful. Well, yeah, I don't want to just like throw a bunch of pain on us. I throw the pain and we acknowledge the story to okay. be able to say, yeah. what do we do now? So there are right. things that we can do to remedy and heal yes. from this. Yeah, let's do it. So let's do it. I'm in. It won't surprise you, but Canada is a great place to look for for like, what do we do <laughs> Right. So they had hundreds of also, you know, Indian residential schools with some similar assimilation agendas like Canada's, you know, fucked up as well. But the um, Indian residential school settlement agreement in 2007, the government then formally apologized to former boarding school students and paid and had paid reparations to survivors. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's another thing, too. When we're talking about reparations for, you know, descendants of slaves, also including this into our conversation for and there's a, a genocide that happened here yeah. for First Nations and indigenous folks. Mm -hmm. So in 2009, Canada created um, it doesn't exist anymore because I think they found what they needed to find. So they had a Truth and Reconciliation Commission and they began a multi-year process for collecting and listening to survivor stories opening up residential school records to survivors and families and ensuring that the history and legacy of the schools are never forgotten so again just kind of like bearing witness and apparently this was actually more powerful and effective than actually the reparations people actually like appreciated this so much more um yeah because apparently you know the admission of wrongdoing from churches and government meant it meant far more it was like this public it was just you know people want that's how you have to heal you can't just right. i think it has to be a combination of both i think give them money and let's have this conversation of course give them money of course can. but i think we've both been in that situation i can't to bring it back to a romantic relationship that's who hurts you renee like, so you who hurts you i need names <laughs> So I need to bring shame. I will send shame to their house. <laughs> I'm fine. gonna get shame and Uber. You can get you here. You get, I can also use like a job as a like. So you get kind of you know screwed over a job, and they're just like, well, there's your severance. You're like, I don't. I mean, yes, I'll mm -hmm. take it obviously, mm -hmm. but I also know that I did a good job, and it's not my fault that I got fired. Would really be the most helpful thing. Yeah. Um, yes. So yeah. Oprah I talks think. about this all the time that people just want to be seen and heard. Yes. There's a validation yeah. factor that you know folks want. Um, and and uh, Senator Murray Sinclair, who's uh, one of Canada's second ever Indigenous judges, she was on the Canada's Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission, and she was saying, you know, they were not subject to why this was so successful and why this, you know, meant more than the reparations was they were not subject to cross-examination as if on trial. They were invited to share what they had to share, no more, no less, and their stories were recorded into history, and at the end of the day, they were acknowledged. Right, right, yeah. And that's that's yeah. what people people want. Um, we did at TaskRabbit, we had a, a BIPOC tasker panel just looking at, like, 
is there bias on the on the platform that I, I moderated and held? And, you know, one of the women, she's a black woman. At the end of it, she sent me an email that it was the first time in her life was she able just to, like, tell her story and her experience um, first time in her life without, you know, right. being interrupted or being, you know, looked at or like just being heard and right. Or gaslit that that's mm -hmm. not happening. Yeah. 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 And here in the U.S., Obama did sign the Native American Apology Resolution on December 19, 2009, um, apologizing for past ill-conceived policies towards the Native peoples of this land. But the resolution really had, like, you know, there was no follow-up. There was nothing, nothing came of it. So the apology is one thing, but also the conversations that also need to happen as well. Uh, people right. want to know, re have records to the things that were happening in the schools to be able to trace what happened to their families and the history of it. And lawsuits against Christian denominations who are running these, um, they have to happen at the state court level, and those are very costly. And then the reparations at the state level, they failed. Like even in South Dakota, they killed a bill that would have extended the window for childhood survivors of boarding school abuse. Um, and it was a suit also against the Catholic Church. So they, they the window f fell. So we need more truth telling. We need to bear witness. We need to listen. We need to validate. We need to heal. And I think Thanksgiving should... I haven't been using every time someone was like happy Thanksgiving, it felt weird to me. Yeah. And yeah. so I would say, oh, happy long weekend of gratitude. That was right. where I was going with it. But I th yeah. think maybe it should just be called Truth and Reconciliation Day, where like we sit, and we, we can have a dinner, but we also like give thanks to the those who lost their lives for this land and like have a dinner of apology. Like I think that's what we yeah. should sit around and gather around the yep. table from and in, in, instead yes sure what you're grateful for but also being grateful for like whose land this was thank you and i'm sorry that that happened to you and your people right. like i think that's uh that's what i'm saying we move it into like thanksgiving is I a let's rebrand it couldn't agree more i also wouldn't hate dipping into other religions and doing a day of fasting and providing meals for other people mm. but don't like you don't you don't get to indulge I today like today's not a that. day of indulgence for you yeah i like that too but i mean it'll take a second for us to <laughs> get everybody on board i mean you can have it like the next day or actually no because the the day after thanksgiving is uh native american you have christmas in five that's weeks true. or whatever you celebrate that's in true. december you're gonna eat yes, heartily for you're gonna be month. fine you're fine one day i think that's a great idea and like or like yeah i think that's a great idea or like and like listening to on that day like you know indigenous you know talks and speeches i know that yeah. the day after thanksgiving is you know native american appreciation day but i think even that actual day of thanksgiving needs to be more call it truth and reconciliation day i love it i love it i'm in i'm sold where do i sign <laughs> all right shame you okay now you back out get out of here we we're done with you <laughs> and leave the drink because yeah, exactly. I, I need that. Right, okay, cool. I need yeah, that. You can chug it, but leave the glass. Thank you so much. Hey, friends. Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have some really great news to share with you. This year has brought a lot of changes for all of us. And one tradition that we were grateful to be able to hold on to is our annual pin sale to benefit charity. This year, through your generosity and love of pins, you helped raise $95,400 for Give Directly. 
you're a member and you bought pins, they'll ship in January. In the meantime, your support will provide direct cash relief to families impacted by COVID-19 across the United States. Even in this incredibly tough year, the Max Fund community remains extraordinarily kind. And whether or not you bought pins, you can continue to help by heading to givedirectly.org. And as always, thank you. Okay, sleep is super important. And I didn't realize there was something that was going to help me, like no joke, just make me fall asleep faster and make me feel like so cozy. Like I just feel like I am in a dreamscape because I didn't know it was possible to actually love the sheets that you sleep in. I know it sounds weird. I always used to roll my eyes at people who would talk about their sheets or whatnot. Like I didn't know there was a difference until I started sleeping with Brooklinen. I'm sleeping with Brooklinen, y'all, and it feels good. So what's dumb about Brooklinen is they work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets and colors and patterns and materials to fit whatever your palette is. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've also got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear. Ooh, okay, to go with your, you know, sexy adult new sheets there. I literally feel like so much of an adult. Like, part, I remember hearing once that part of being an adult was having multiple, at least two pairs of linens. I finally have that. And it's like high quality linens. I am an adult. So you all should also become adults and go get yourself some Brooklyn and sheets so you can also sleep so well. I've been sleeping like a baby and want you sleeping well. So to get in on the action, go to brooklinen.com and use promo code MINORITY to get 10% off your first order and free shipping. That is B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com promo code minority for 10% off your first order plus free shipping brooklinen.com and use promo code minority at checkout all right now james can i can i tell you something you want something you already know (laughs) debbie allen's great she's so great whoa you know what I love hearing yeah. it. I can't. I can't get enough of that. You just, you just can't. And every, I feel like, you know, obviously she's on Grey's Anatomy and blah blah. blah. So she's she's in our uh. lexicon. But I feel like every few years we really get a taste of how great Debbie Allen is. Uh, mm. I feel like all of your listeners will know who she is, right? Because some of our generations have like forgotten. Well, like, and she's got a very talented sister who you might know <laughs> this woman's yes. name. A little bit uh, Felicia Rashad. Felicia Rashad there for us. Just two two dancing sets. Which you, when I was like, hey, I want to talk about Debbie Allen and her new Netflix special, you were like, have you seen this video? You want to tell everybody yes. what you sent me? Uh, yes, I have. I, I do. I um, I think we, I know we, we might have talked about this. I think Anneke and I talked about this on a bonus episode. So not everybody is is privy okay. to to what okay. this is. Um, But it is a, it's a music video <laughs> that is just... It's a it's a whole lot of of greatness, and it's called More Than a Man, starring Debbie Allen and mm. Felicia Rashad. Because back in like the eight, like late eighties, early nineties, Felicia Rashad had the keys to Hollywood. She, sure did. she got to yeah. do a she did like a special. They were like it was a Debbie Allen like special, and she was dancing and singing all this sort of stuff. Um, 
And it's just her and her sister Felicia Rashad stomping around New York City in these gold LeMay outfits, singing as, you know, not the greatest no, vocalist. No, probably not. Maybe singing notes. isn't their gift. Let's give them dancing. It, dancing to the it moon reminded, yeah. It reminded me of, like, two sisters who probably used to dance around in their living yes. rooms and do little yes. routines together. But now they have, like, budget <laughs> and, like, platform. what I love about the and a platform. <laughs> what I love is that, like, they got the permits, like, do this number in, like, busy New York City to rope off a certain yes. section. But not enough, like, someone to, like, tell the crowds to keep right. moving. So they just have the crowds, like, crowds and crowds of people like, oh, my God, they're filming okay. something and just staring and watching them. And you're just like, okay, this is a, a natural, like, we're just dancing through the streets of New right. York. Because, like, clearly people are watching you film this. Made. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then they did manage to shut down, like, Times Square for them to, like, dance around. And, like, the whole entire premise is, like, more than a man. They want, like, you know, someone who's more than a man. And, boy, did they, they, they got them. They got some um, gay-ass sailors. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to listen. If it's 89, you got to get those hey. gay-ass sailors in there. The, the ladies, I don't know. But maybe, you know what? These sailors can play gay sailors that women Thank want. Yeah. So opening it up, the casting, these gay sailors dancing around can play sailors that these ladies happy want. to have them happy to have them so on an incredibly uh. personal note debbie allen came into my life uh, i'm from colorado springs which is not the city you want to be from when you're from colorado it is the most liberal conservative <laughs> shittiest town we've got the air force academy we've got focus on the family it's just bad oh wow it's bad across the board but debbie allen came into our city and the thing that she was doing i guess in the 90s late 90s was she was putting up uh at that time a ballet called Pepito's story and she would take Ooh. all the kids that wanted to dance and it was like an audition based thing but she would take all the kids that would want to dance and made certain that the kids did not look like classic ballerinas and put wow. up this amazing show that also incorporated professional dancers she was just doing that in like remote conservative cities so that one kid who's like, I can't be a dancer because they don't look like the way I look. Uh, right. Debbie Allen single-handed was like, yes, you can. You absolutely can. Do, were you one of those kids? I was kids? one of those kids. I did a little you? Pepito yeah. story. But listen, I think there's like a cast of thousands. This makes, this makes sense. I feel like I saw some of those Debbie Allen moves on the dance floor at Max <laughs> MaxFunCon. It exactly. all makes Alan sense Alan taught now. me this one. I <laughs> I see the genesis. See. Oh, you my gosh. She's your Obi-Wan. You yeah. So so kind of flashing forward. So she's got a brand new show out on Netflix called Dance Dreams Hot Chocolate Nutcracker. Ooh. And it's a documentary uh. of Debbie Allen. So, again, Debbie Allen's a dancer. I mean, we've established right. this, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and she's also, like, just was, like, a television pioneer. Because yeah. I think she also worked. She was on, like, A Different World. Right. Um, which that makes sense because her sister was on, like, a Different sure. World. A Different World is a spinoff of The Cosby Show. Um where what, who goes to college? Not Vanessa. Who's the one that Lisa Bonet's character goes to college? Denise? But then Lisa Denise. Bo Denise. Denise, yeah. Denise okay. goes because she was like, oh, I can't be on this like Cosby show. <laughs> I I've got to live my life. And they're like, you know, oh, I'm gonna give you a spinoff. Right. And then like she's on there for like one season, and she's like, fuck it, I'm doing Playboy. I'm out of <laughs> here. But the different world continued on. It was it took place at like a historical black college. Right. And also Debbie Allen really like really marinated into my oh, yeah. life. And I uh, it was her she did a sitcom with LL Cool J yeah. called In the House, which is essentially just sort of like a black version of Who's the Boss? Because LL yes. Cool J, sexy ass, mm -hmm. becomes like he's a former football player for like the Oakland Raiders and or maybe it was the LA Raiders at the time. Um anyways, 
he becomes like the nanny to like her her kids Great. and you know That's they just have that works. But she's only on there for like one or two seasons anyways l cool j was very shirtless a lot and i loved yeah, yeah, it of course and who among us wouldn't that sounds great that and debbie allen facilitated this for you she did <laughs> she brought that into we my life it. we love to see it so in addition to like <laughs> taking over she also like choreographed the oscars 10 times she's been nominated for 20 mm. emmys she's won three of them she's it's success in her own right and I think the thing that I think is so beautiful about the work that she does is that she doesn't need to. She she's fine. Yeah. She doesn't need to. She yeah. also turned 70 this year. So she what? Doesn't, she doesn't need it. Uh, she doesn't need it. She's fine. Oh, my God. She's fine. And she also, like, directs episodes. Of, she's not only on Grey's also Anatomy. Directs. She directs yeah. episodes of Grey's mm -hmm. Anatomy. Like, and, and, and she's also one of those people, like, what a career. Because she just, like, creates. Right. She creates because she... Like, a, there's a few artists in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. She's an artist. Like, she just Truly. works from her heart and her passion yeah. and creates space for everybody. Yeah. So, uh, exactly. So, just sort of the story of what you're going to get if you get yourself into this documentary is uh, she's got a dance academy that she's had for 20 years, uh, Debbie Allen Dance Academy. And she oh, wanted to have something for kiddos who couldn't relate to the traditional nutcracker. So, she has mm. hot chocolate nutcracker. She's changed the premise a little bit. It's now like three mice okay. uh, that are like three stooges sort of leading you through all these wonderlands. How, uh, all original funny. music, all different types of dancing. <laughs> I'm so curious to see what you think. So curious. But yeah, so sort of, you know, come full circle. So Debbie Allen uh, was raised in Houston, Texas. Um, and she, this was on an NPR uh, show that she did on um, mm. uh, Press Play where she just kind of went over it. And she was like, there was still mm. racial segregation when I was growing <gasps> up. I couldn't take dance. Wow. They wouldn't let me. So she's got that sort of as her fuel uh, that is propelling her along. And then her sweet little daughter, her kiddo, was, you know, fell in line, wanted to be a dancer. And her kid's dance teacher said, I mean, Alvin Ailey, better than that, there's not going to be an opportunity <laughs> for you. And she was like, fuck yeah. you, fuck that. And then she took, so this dance studio where her daughter was at, she took the best teachers brought him to her dance studio. So now it's like Savion Glover and just the best of the best and is now creating like this really cool place that does not put limitations on people, which is, that I don't know. I just, I love her. I love it. So Hot inspiring. Great. Just sometimes like, and it's inspiring yeah. and also like, oh, exhausting. Cause you have to like, because you're being yeah. shut out of spaces, <laughs> yes. you then have to create your own. And you know, right. like I, 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 Debbie Allen is also one of those examples of like, she's the exception, not the rule. You know, like she made it through, yeah. but had to yeah. work twice as hard to get, you know, half as much. Like she had to right. be so excellent right. and so great and so amazing. And and to be able to like open and knock these doors open. And thankfully, she then is turning around and creating those spaces. So she's so then she does become the rule that it is like, oh, yeah, no, everybody and anybody can do it. But, you know, she's, you of know, course. like an like an Oprah, yeah. like Oprah is the exception, not the rule that like, you know. Um, right, but man, think De thanks to Debbie Allen for doing doing the work. Yeah, Debbie Allen's incredible. Um, over on Dang. Homophilia, the podcast that you were yes, guest on, and should. all your listeners should check it out. Oh my still, gosh. still, we still talk about you. Oh, to this what a day. great time! So that great. Was. But those fellas talk a lot about how um, some of the you know kiddos who were coming of age in the 60s, 70s, 80s now have this mentality: you either get your choice of I went through hell and back, and so you have to too. Or I went through hell and back, so you don't have to. And it is such a, like, I'm sure you've heard that a million times, but it just mm -hmm. is really, like, who do you want to be? Yeah. Be the latter. Be the latter. Be the one yeah, who, like, I, I want to be able to create 
space like and 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 i think there's still a way i think the fear is that like oh they won't have you know grit and determination there's ways that you can like help someone learn that without making them <laughs> yeah. like suffer and crawl yeah. on their ways that you can challenge them because it's like right. you know it's the same sort of thing of like um i mean we're gonna bring this really broadly but it's like i uh, when people don't yeah. have to suffer then they're able to like think their imagination is able to to go forward and create things that yeah. we don't even know what we're even missing out on like when you give everybody universal basic income right. It allows everyone's base needs to be able to be covered or like, you know, to end homelessness. You give everybody right. a house or a place to live, a dorm. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, Easy. but at least have yeah. food. They have a shelter. Right. And then if you want something more, then you'll right. be able to be in a space where you're not in such a scarcity mindset. Um, and I, I think like we have so many resources to eliminate suffering and scarcity. There's like more than enough. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I think that's another thing Debbie said was just like, you can tell me I'm a bad dancer. You can tell me my toes not pointed. You can tell me I'm having a terrible day and I'm a bad dancer, but you cannot Ooh. tell me that I can't do it. So I'm not saying that we can, rem let's remove, like let's just put right. everybody in bubble yeah. wrap so that they never get hurt, but just don't don't make it right. a, mm. a boundary that they're not yeah. allowed to cross. Make Give sure them they the have chance. access, which is yeah. why like it's really important for there to be, uh, you know, I studied, I went to UCB, which is no longer, I think, anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, think so but too. there actually right, is a UCB. new school that's been coming out of it <laughs> called The Squirrel, which is essentially being run by um, uh, BIPOC and queer folk who are starting their own, I yeah, sort of like improv this. sketch theater company. And the, the classes are like also online and whatnot. But I did appreciate that UCB offered like a scholarship. Like once I learned like, that they had a scholarship for essentially like marginalized people. I paid for like one series of class and I was like, Oh my God, right. no, like I don't have to pay for anything. So I applied every year, Yeah, no, uh, you know, no, no, no. but because like, that's why, they, but you know, you see when you go to these improv shows, there's just like so many white people on stage. And I would honestly just like tune out so much. And I'd see mm -hmm. a bunch of like, mostly like white guys yeah. on stage who kind of all, sorry, y'all look the same. Um, and they have the same reference point for they humor. Do. And it was just so uninteresting. <laughs> The more diverse yeah. teams had their humor was way funnier, way funnier because they were able to pull of from so many different of things and have yeah. similar to bring it back to Saved by the Bell. You're able to have so many different conversations because right. you have all these different reference points. And like, like I know the I know the team of the Saved by the Bell show is like it's it's diverse. You can tell because the humor they're able to touch on so many things from like a very informed place. Your shows are gonna be funnier right. if you just get diverse. Yeah. It's gonna be great. Don't be. It's fine. Yeah. Don't Come be scared. In. It's okay. Yeah. Bring in other voices. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Amazing. We so Debbie that's Allen. It. We love Debbie we, Allen. All stars. We, we nothing but thumbs you. up from here. High kicks. High kicks for Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And I think that's what she'd want. I Stop. think that's how she'd like to be properly. Did I get a high kick? What, I, how, what's that's the most amount of high kicks that you know something you get like? Five, four high kicks, five high kicks, five, five, yeah. Okay, you can stick with the classic. Debbie five Allen, stars, but five high kicks, yeah. and I'm not five gonna give you kicks. six because I want you to work for it a little bit more, Debbie. Because I think she oh, will feed you. off that. She's exactly. like five. I'm going for six. She's got more. Felicia, yeah. get to the studio. <laughs> Block on Times Square. I got a new song and a new outfit I just made. Hire me some gay dancers. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight. Go, Debbie, go. <laughs>
you have it, folks. Renee Colvert. What a treat. She's so much fun. My face is just, I, my face hurts. I'm smiling and laughing. I hope you, uh, and we learned a lot. I mean, don't, don't get it wrong, but oh man, just what a joy. Love her so much. Definitely check out her podcast here on the Maximum Fun Network, Can I Pet Your Dog? Uh, those two over there are just so delightful and wonderful. I mean, Renee Colvert, you know, reading in her bio, I mean, she is our self-proclaimed man of the wilderness. Definitely check out her Instagram with her dog, Tugboat, uh, at Tugboat the Fluffy Pit. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes. I can't believe we did an episode with Renee Colvert. We didn't talk about dogs once. I think I mentioned doggy style, and that was about it. <laughs> That's a different kind of thing. All right, let's get over to the fact check and uh, look at that. No notes, no notes at all. But if you heard something, say something. You can email us at minoritycorner at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at minoritycorner. And that's the same for our Instagram as well. The only thing I do want to touch on, we were having this conversation about casting and, you know, can queer actors play, you know, straight roles or da 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 da. And just a round of applause. I am just so proud. Elliot Page coming out. What a beautiful story. If you haven't seen it, definitely check out Elliot Page's posts um, coming out as their true self uh, using he, they, they pronouns and just the bravery and just I just applaud it and just the, the way they wrote it's just such a beautifully well written just it just it's just important to listen to these folks' story and I appreciate it also too acknowledging that they are a you know white trans person coming out and speaking their truth and still acknowledging that you know black trans women and uh trans women of color are you know murdered at such disproportionate you know rates just visibility matters and also snaps because i didn't think this was going to happen but like elliot page will still be playing vanya on umbrella academy um and although with all the time traveling stuff they on the show that they could do they could have vanya um time travel and form into their actual self as van um but they're choosing not to do that at this point that elliot page will still play vanya and i'm like you know what snaps to it snaps to it all and i think renee culvert's casting directing studio would also approve of this choice that you know what i'm for trans actors playing whatever roles they want to play you know however they want to play it make space you know carte blanche Go for it. There is plenty of space here. Make room. Elliot Page, all the snaps. So excited. And just, it brings me just so much joy. Just that story. I'm just so excited. And on the heels of what we were talking about, I've been yammering enough. Uh, our lovely editor, Sarah, is like, wrap it up, James, wrap it up. I just am full of so much light and joy today. So this is great. Okay, well, you all have a wonderful week. Thank you to Sam Jackson, our social media manager and guru of all things on the socials. Keep it good and lovely. And thank you to all of you for listening to Minority Corner and to our Maximum Fund members as well. And to Renee Colbert, who just was just such a such a joy on this show. Thank you all for listening to Minority Corner because together we're the majority. Love y'all. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.